Wow. I cannot believe that Easter is in our rearview mirror. It is just crazy to think that the first third of the year is behind us, and we're looking now to our second third of the year. It's pretty hard to believe, and we are thinking about this next third of the year as our next opportunity as a church family to lead someone who is close to us, closer to Jesus. We were looking at our first third of the year leading up to Easter, and now we're looking at the second third of the year leading up to, believe it or not, the start of school in the fall. We're about 120 or so days until the start of school in the fall, and we're looking at this second third as an opportunity for us to capitalize on every opportunity in front of us, to lead someone who is close to us closer to Jesus. I'm excited about what lays before us and the opportunities and the challenges that we'll be able to step into as a church family. And what we're doing today is we're going to start a three-part series to kind of kick off this second third. The series is entitled Ready, Set, Go. And we have incorporated some resources for you, some encouragement for you as we kick this second third of the year off for the purposes and the glory of God. And uh, what we're going to be doing is walking through Colossians. We're going to continue through the book of Colossians. But the next three weeks, we're going to focus on kind of kicking off this second third. And so we have the regular resource guide for you and our, on our website, fbg.church, that you can incorporate into your small group environment, you can incorporate into your family every week as we walk through the remainder of Colossians. But we've added an additional workbook, the Ready, Set, Go workbook. You'll find there on our website, fbg.church. And that, work, that workbook is an opportunity for you to step into more interaction as a family, more interaction as a small group, and to work through some things specifically to kick off this second third. We want you to jump into that. We want you to be a part of that. We hope you'll make use of all the resources and the connecting opportunities to make the most of this second third. You know, we think back to the first third of the year. There's no doubt that one of the things that's going to register in our minds from here on out is in the first third of 2020, we experienced changes like we never expected. And I'm just hoping that our second third will be marked by specific changes in our lives, our church family, in our community because of the cause of Christ, because of our purpose to lead someone who's close to us, closer to Jesus. I'm praying the second third will be marked with experiences and stories that will forever be remembered as something incredibly special. And so we're going to kick off this together and jump right in. We're going to jump right back into Colossians chapter 3. Now I want to remind you that in Colossians 3 we just finished a passage that encouraged us as members of a church family to put to death certain things and to put away or put off certain things. And today we're going to start talking about putting on certain things as a church family. I, I had the opportunity of thinking through this to just think back at uh, some of the things that I did earlier in my life. And one of the things, maybe you do this as a parent or grandparent, you look back at old photos. And I look back at some old photos and I found this old photo of me uh, dressed for prom in the late 80s. Check out 
this photo. Now, when I look at this photo and I see those white shoes, I immediately think of some things I need to put away. I don't need to do that anymore. I don't need to wear a white suit. I don't need to wear white shoes. I need to put that away. Instead, put on something better like some nice, cool Kohans. So we're going to be thinking about what we put away in the last passage and then today what we're putting on that needs to reflect who we are in Christ. And so let's read together Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Colossians 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let's just think through this portion of the passage. It starts out with that therefore, because you put off these things, you need to put on these things. And the first phrase is, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved. This is the description of who this church is in Christ. This is the description of who we are in Christ. God demonstrated his love for each one of us when we were at our worst, when we are sinners, when we were acting as enemies of God. God demonstrated his love for us through the death of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died for each of our sins, demonstrating to us when we were at our worst, that God loved us. And when we placed our faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and for our salvation, we were changed. Our hearts were made brand new. We were changed on the inside. We were made brand new. And now this passage is telling us because our identity has been changed, because we've been changed on the inside, We need to put on some things on the outside that most clearly demonstrates the change on the inside. You think about it if you make an athletic team. If you try out for a team, you were once not on the team, but when you try out and make the team, then you're on the team. And because you're on the team, you're a part of the team. As a, as a part of the team, you get issued some practice clothes. And then you get issued game jerseys, game uniforms pretty exciting moment for teams when a special reveal about new uniforms comes out. People get excited about that because every player knows if you look good, you feel good. If you feel good, you play good. They're going to be wearing the uniform, reflecting who they are. They're on the team whether they got the uniform on or not. But when they put on that uniform, it is clear they are a part of the team. You can think of some professions that we recognize in our, even in our community that that have uniforms, that have things, people that they wear and it displays who they are. If you think about a referee or you think about a doctor or a nurse or a fireman or a police, a policeman, the, the, these workers oftentimes wear things that make it clear this is what they do. And I'm telling you, right now is a time we certainly need to display our gratitude to these folks who are working so hard, doctors, nurses, policemen, firemen, all our community leaders. But when they, when they go to work, a policeman, for example, is a policeman, whether the policeman has on a uniform or not. 
But when he or she puts on that uniform, they are giving a clear reflection of who they are and what they intend to do to demonstrate how they're going to go about helping others. You see, when we come to trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, He changes our identity. He, break, he makes us brand new on the inside. And then we're encouraged to put on the outside what most readily reflects our family, what most readily reflects who we are. And this passage tells us to put on several things here. This passage tells us to put on compassion. You know, you know compassion is that heavy lifting of coming along some, uh, alongside someone who is really in a difficult situation. It's that helping someone who many people might not be interested in helping because of a strong desire to come alongside them and help them become who they would otherwise never be able to come. Help them accomplish what they would otherwise never be able to accomplish. Compassion is that heavy lifting that comes alongside someone who's hurting. We, we all know what compassion looks like when somebody puts it on. We also know what it looks like when somebody puts on, I don't really care about anybody else. And as God's people, as the bride of Christ, the bride that is seeking to be ready for the return of Christ, we put on compassion. The scripture also tells us to put on kindness. Kindness is putting on a treatment of others that looks like we'd want how we'd want them to treat us. This is treating other people around us like we treat the people who are our favorite people in our best moments. So when we, are at, when we are at our best and how we're acting towards those we care about the most, that is kindness. And we're to put on kindness towards everyone. We, we recognize what it looks like when someone puts on meanness. We know what that looks like. We also know what it looks like when somebody puts on kindness. As God's family, we're to put on kindness. We're also to put on humility. Humility is that awareness of my own inadequacies in light of God's sufficiency. I am chiefly aware of my inadequacy, but I'm seeing my inadequacy in light of God's sufficiency so that it enables me to actually care for someone else's needs as much or more than my own. Humility. We, we know what it looks like when somebody puts on arrogance. I mean, we can see that a mile away. We also know what it looks like when we put on humility. As God's family, a ready bride, puts on humility. We're also told to put on gentleness. Gentleness is when you are not overly impressed with your own self-importance, such that you can actually give opportunity to seeing what somebody else really needs. Like you give time to pay attention to what somebody else needs 
And then you act on what you've seen in such a way that it is readily received. Gentleness. We we know what it looks like when somebody puts on harshness. We need to put on gentleness as God's family. Gentleness. We, We also need to put on patience. Patience is when we give time and space for somebody to become the best of who they can be without putting the pressure on them of potentially failing to become who we want them to be. Patience is not getting frustrated. Patience is listening. Patience is not expecting somebody else to be more like us, but enabling them to be like who God's created them to be. Patience. We know what it looks like when somebody puts on impatience. But as God's family, we are to put on patience. That's what we're to look like. When we put on compassion and kindness and humility, patience and gentleness, then we're going to be in a position to bear with one another and demonstrate forgiveness. You know, when we start getting back together in groups and hanging out face-to-face more and more, there's a good chance we're going to have times where we feel a grievance with others because we're living in a community of people who are being renewed into the image of Christ, which means we have a degree of brokenness that's going to make itself out of us at times as Christ is renewing us. And guess what's going to happen? We're going to have to put up with each other. We're going to have to, we're going to, have to bear with one another. I know this, when I'm working on, and and I need to work on these things, when I'm working on kindness and compassion, humility, gentleness and patience, I'm a lot easier to put up with. I think when we're all trying to put on these things because of who Christ has made us on the inside by the work of His grace, we're all a lot easier to put up with. And then we're all more apt to move towards forgiveness. But we're moving towards forgiveness not because we're easier to put up with when we're putting on these things. No, we're, we're moving towards forgiveness because Jesus Christ has forgiven us. You, you know what it's like to be forgiven. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ, you've experienced forgiveness. He's forgiven you of all your sins. Not one is held against you. They are separated from you. As far as the east is from the west, you have been forgiven. And you've been given the righteousness of Christ. Out of our experience of forgiveness, we are to forgive. Here's what the Lord wants for us. He wants us to live together as a family, putting on these things that reflect Christ so that we might treat others as Christ is treating us right now. Now look at what it says in that passage. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. You know, when I go fly fishing, there's some things I put on. I put on some wading boots. I put on some waders. I put on a hat. Uh, I put on a nice fishing shirt. And then over all of that, I put on my fly fishing vest. Now, if you saw me gearing up to go fly fishing and you just saw me with my wading boots and my waders, I could be doing a variety of things. If you put, saw me put on my, my wading boots and my waders and my hat, you could still say, I'm not sure exactly what he's going to go do. But the moment I put on, 
my fly fishing vest with all my gear on it over all of that stuff. You have no doubt what I'm fixing to go to do. I'm fixing to go fishing. Love is like that. We're to put on gentleness and kindness, patience, compassion. We're to put on all these things, but over all these things, on top of it all, we're to put on love because love makes a definitive statement as to who we are and why we are living the way we're living. So when you put on compassion as a follower of Christ, you put on over that compassion the love of God. In other words, you want to display compassion to the members of your family, to your siblings, kids to your parents, husband and wives to each other, families to your neighbors, community members to other members of the community. We want to put on compassion as God's family, but on top of compassion, we want to put on the love of Christ so that the reason for our compassion is driven out of God's love for us. You see, God so loved me that I want to love you. And so my compassion is going to be compelled by love. I want to put on humility, but over that humility, I want to put on the love of Christ so that my humility is under the sufficiency of God's love for me in Christ. I want to put on gentleness, but I don't want to be gentle just for the sake of being gentle. I want to put on Christ's love over that so my gentleness is coming out of Christ's gentleness towards me, his love towards me so that it's displayed towards you. Over all of that, I want to put on love because nothing so definitively defines the ready bride of Christ like the love of Christ. Above all, put on love. Love is the perfect bond. It's the bond that brings us together. If you've ever done any woodworking, you will know that one of the things you need to do to join two pieces of wood together is glue them. You put tight bond glue in between two pieces of wood and you clamp those pieces of wood together and you let that glue form that bond. You're going to discover that the bond of that glue joining two separate pieces of wood actually becomes stronger than the wood itself. If you were to try to break those wood pieces apart at that bond, you'd end up breaking the wood somewhere else in the wood because the wood will not break at that bond because the bond is stronger than the wood itself. You think about love, and love is the bond that tightly binds us together so that no matter how you treat me, my efforts towards you out of the love of Christ will not be moved. I will not be broken in my love for you. I'm going to stay in there. We're going to connect around the love of Christ. And we will not be broken in our relationship. Because the love of Christ binds us together. I'm going to love you. No matter what. Because Christ loves me. Now when we love each other like that with the love of Christ. That's not an easy thing. That's tough. That's risky. When you love people like Christ loves you. When you treat people like Christ treats you, the scripture warns us multiple places that it's not going to be an easy experience. There might and probably will be difficulty and hardship. You kind of become a target for people who have put on anger and unkindness and maliciousness and selfishness. And, and sometimes when you love with Christ's love, no matter what, no matter how somebody treats you, you become a target. I, imagine what it would have been like for me 
if I had stood up here during our vision series in January and said to our church, hey, we're going to attack the first third of the year. We're going to love someone who is close to us and lead them closer to Jesus. We're going to get this first third. We're going to do it. And here's the plan. Here's the vision for the first third of the year. All the way building up to Easter. We're going to continue to focus in on this vision. And, and, and about halfway through the first third, here's what we're going to do. We're going to stop having in-person services. We're, we're, we're not going to have any more services. We're not going to meet here in our building for any kind of gathering. We're going to shift everything to an online environment. You can't meet in small groups. You can't be face-to-face. -face. We're not going to use our building at all. We're going to be online. We're going to do everything live stream. It's going to be unbelievable. We're going we're to lead someone who's close to us, closer to Jesus. We're going to do it all virtually. And we're going to use this program, something you've never heard of, called Zoom. We're going to get everybody on that platform. It's going to be the most amazing first third. And we're going to end that first third with Easter Sunday, our biggest Sunday of the year. And we're not going to have a single car in the parking lot. And we're going to lead someone who's close to us, closer to Jesus. If I'd have said that in January, I can guarantee you this, I'd be a target. There'd been a mutiny on my hands. You see, when you love someone like Christ loves you, you can become a target for unkindness and anger being taken advantage of. It's not easy to stay in that place. You see, when you become a target, it's easy for the vision to drift. Had I said that in January, I suspect that the reaction to that kind of vision would have caused me to want to drift from the vision. Because it's difficult to love people no matter what. Because Christ loved me, it's easy to drift from the vision of a ready bride. The rest of this passage is to encourage us to not drift, but to love no matter what. I want to read it to you. Listen to this. Verse 14, verse 15. And let the peace of Christ to which you were called also in one body rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. The first thing you can do to guard against the drift from loving others, no matter how they treat you, is to make sure that the peace of God rules your heart. If, if you don't make sure that the peace of God is ruling your heart, you'll have the tendency, just like me, to let other people's actions create reactions in my heart that oftentimes move into anger and selfishness. But when we'll let the peace of God rule our hearts, then the love of God can come out of our hearts. And God's peace can rule your hearts because he's promised to protect you. In other words, there's no kind of opposition you're going to walk through that God's not ready to protect you through. And certainly we know that sometimes his protection over us allows pain to come into our life. And so God's peace can continue to rule your heart even when his protection allows some of that pain to come in your life because of the way somebody might treat you because of God's provision. He comes alongside you with his grace. He says, I'm going to redeem that pain. I'm going to bring growth out of your life. 
And in addition to God's provision, he also says, I'm going to be with you. My presence will be with you. I will not forsake you. In this pain, you will not be forsaken. I will be walking with you as you love others no matter what. I'm not going to forsake you in this. We have God's protection, God's provision, and God's presence. And when God's presence causes us to long for more of who God is, we have God's promise. See, God's promise is there's coming a day when he'll wipe every tear from our eyes. We'll make every wrong right and we'll forever live in perfection with the Lord. He's going to make it all right. And so we have God's peace ruling our hearts. If we allow God's peace to rule our hearts, then his love can come out of our hearts. And notice the word thankful. You need to be thankful because thankfulness is that one thing that you can choose to be that enables you to keep on what you've put on about Christ. So be thankful as a follower of Jesus Christ. Thankfulness is one thought away because we can just consider what Christ has done for us in forgiving us. We can find a reason to be thankful. And thankfulness can change the way we feel about everything. Thankfulness is that action you take in your life to keep on that Christ-likeness that you've put on. Let the peace of God rule your hearts. Put on thankfulness and let the word of God richly dwell among you. This is how we are to gather together. To let the word of God richly dwell among us in our corporate setting, in our singing, in our praising. Let the word of God be center stage. You know, if you were um, um, paying attention to trains for some reason, maybe you're an engineer, maybe, maybe you're somebody who worked with trains. You could look at a train and establish its speed based on a set of indicators that are attached to the axle of the train that that are calibrated to the size of the wheel so that as the train moves forward forward that sensor looks at how the wheel is turning and has the mathematical formulas figured out so that it properly reads the speed over time as a train is driven along the tracks its wheels get slowly worn down And that sensor is calibrated to the original size of the wheel. Over time, as that wheel gets worn down, the speed is off. At the point that the error in the speed becomes unsafe, the sensors need to be recalibrated so that there's a proper reading of the speed. You know, in the family of God, It's not easy to love like Christ loves us. And over time, like the wheel on the train, we can get worn down. And what we need is recalibration. And nothing recalibrates our hearts like the Word of God experienced in the corporate setting through singing and worship. One of the things I miss the most right now is being around tens and twenties and thirties and hundreds of people who are together lifting their voices in praise of the Lord centered on the word of God because there's something that happens in the recalibration of the heart when we center our worship around the word of God being taught and admonished by each other as we all lift up praise to the Lord in song. 
we're able to do that right now virtually as best we can, but there's coming a day, and it'll be here, and we're going to be able to gather again, and we're going to be able to sing together, and we're going to be able to experience that recalibration of the heart. And I want you to do whatever you can right now to keep experiencing that corporate experience of worship so that your heart is recalibrated by the Word of God. We need the regular recalibration of God's Word experienced in corporate worship through song and worship so that we will keep loving no matter what. The last command in this verse says, do whatever you do, whatever you say, in the name of the Lord. Here's the question you need to be asking yourself. yourself. This last week, how much of what I did and what I said could I put Jesus' name on? There's no doubt that all of us are going to think back on this last week and think, Man, I, I can't put Jesus' name on what that was. I can't put Jesus' name on what came out of my mouth in that moment. And I just want to tell you, if you look back over the last week and the Lord begins to stir your heart that there were far too many things that you did that Jesus' name can't get on, that there are far too many things that you said that Jesus' name shouldn't be put on, then, then you're due for recalibration. To, to gather with some brothers and sisters and, and worship and talk about what the Lord is doing and sing praises to the Lord and let it, your heart be recalibrated. we got opportunities that are happening in small groups. The men's 4 by 4 You can go to the website, check it out. Our small group stuff, our, our workbook, Ready, Set, Go, that's, that's geared for you to experience a corporate worship of recalibration and the difficulty of loving like Christ loved us, we need regular recalibration. Will you make every effort today and the week to come to connect with somebody in worship so that God, by His Word, in your corporate gathering, might recalibrate your hearts? I know many of us, last Sunday on Easter Sunday, did Easter family pictures. We, we like to do family pictures. And so a lot of you posted your pictures. And I, and I hope that you'll, you'll take advantage of the opportunity to post some pictures this week about you know, in accordance with the workbook. As you, if you look at that, you're going to see some directives there. But, but a lot of you posted pictures about Easter Sunday. And so I can just imagine you, like our family, we were all getting into some clothes that were appropriate for an Easter picture. And, and uh, everybody got in the picture and you went through it. And, and all you saw was the final product. You saw the smiling faces, the best picture we could take, the one we all approved and thought was the best picture of our family. Now here's the reality. That picture is who we are, but it is really a picture of the best of what we want to become. I'm sure you, like us, that picture didn't represent the pestering and the the poking and the complaining and the how much longer, how many more pictures and all the stuff that went into getting that Easter picture. Yes, that picture is who we are, but that picture is also a picture of the best of what we want to be. As a church family, we've been made brand new. And the picture of us is a ready bride. We are ready, but we are also demonstrating by putting on all these things over which goes love, the best of who we want to be. And we want to be that ready bride because we believe that if we're going to love someone who's close to us and lead them closer to Jesus, we believe that we need to be that ready bride. 
Because Jesus said that the world will know we follow him by our love. So the best way for us to love people, the best way for us to lead someone who's close to us, close to Jesus in the second, third, is to be the ready bride Christ has made us to be. I want to pray for you. Lord, I pray that everyone listening right now would make a decision to put on Christ's likeness because of who they have been made in Christ. And I pray that you would so transform us as a church family that we would be that ready bride you've made us to be and the world watching us would see the love of Christ and would say, I want to be a part of that family. Help us, Lord, by being the ready bride to lead someone who is close to us, closer to Jesus in the second third of the year. Lord, we thank you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. I want to remind you as we move into a time of song that we want you to respond. If you want to engage with us through comments, if you want to email us, direct message us, we want to help you respond to following Jesus Christ. As soon as we sing this song, we're going to do some Q&A with K&K and have a special guest. Can't wait to do that. We want this song to be a time where you might actually respond to what this word said to us today. Singing. The Word of God together can recalibrate our hearts to the love of God. Let's sing together.